De la patrulla de Minos de California. Weather headlines for today, yes. Welcome to the Revenue Generator Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear how industry leaders integrate sales, marketing, product, and customer success into a single business unit with a common goal of optimizing their revenue cycle. We'll unearth how innovators integrate data, technology, people, and processes to expedite demand generation and increase recurring revenue. Sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet a member of the Revenue Generation. Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host and the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. And today we're going to talk about effective go-to-market strategies and post-acquisition models. Joining us is Howard Lux, who is the Chief Revenue Officer at IOTA, which is a data transformation company serving global enterprises. As the world's largest data onboarding and audience intelligence firm, IOTA brings a depth of experience in adapting data strategies to be consumer-friendly, addressable, and scalable in omni-channel environments. And today, Howard and I are going to discuss commercial go-to-market strategies. Okay, here's my conversation with Howard Lux, the Chief Revenue Officer at IOTA. Howard, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Doug. It's good to be here. All right, fantastic. Let's start with the notion that a high-functioning go-to-market strategy begins with great product-to-market fit and a defined and addressable target market. Are there other things we should be thinking about before we dive on and start designing and going after commercial go-to-market strategies? I mean, I think that you can't also take out of that equation just trust. You need to build rapport and trust with clients, and that does take time. And so when I think about approaching future clients, I really try first to get an understanding of the problem that we're looking to solve and the fit. I don't walk into any meeting or any initial meeting and I try to coach my teams to do the same that I expect in that meeting we should close a sale. I think you know initial meetings are about building rapport, getting an understanding of stakeholders, decision makers, getting an understanding of their needs, and then going back sort of internally, thinking about the thoughtful solutions you can bring back to them. And then in follow-ups, it becomes a bit more of a working session and mapping out the ways in which we can work together, and hopefully get to a commercial relationship. So I learned a lot about you just in that response, Howard, and I learned that you're a customer-centered or customer-first sales leader, right? Ultimately, you want to be in a spot where you understand your customer Understanding customer then allows you to build trust. So that's a foundation for go-to-market strategies in your mind. Are there go-to-market strategies you've had experience with that you're like, yeah, this is a solid winner for everybody, or is there more nuance to it? How do you kind of think about these things? I mean, it depends what I'm buying, right? You know, I mean, I'm a gadget geek. If the new iPhone comes out, sure, I'm a buyer, right? Like I'll walk into the store. You don't even need to sell me. Just point me in a direction and... My credit card is out before I even get to the cash register. I recently was in market for a car. That was a very considered purchase, right? I wanted to understand features, functions, negotiate price. So I think it depends on what you're buying is, I guess, the way I, I think about it. In my world of, of advertising technology and tech, 
I think it's a really, really noisy market. I've never walked into a situation where people are like, great, I'm going to buy from you. Unless you are fortunate enough to be Google or Facebook or Amazon, it just doesn't happen. So the framework here for us then is to add tech and then go to market strategies that embed within ad tech. And I like the approach you're taking, which is as the consumer, right? How would I think about things from a consumer standpoint before I start thinking about the seller's perspective and the strategies I would deploy? I always approach things from a consumer first perspective, right? I want to build relationships where my business is coming from referrals, right? Howard and Howard's team, or, or I should say IOTA and the IOTA sales team, I want the agencies and the brands that we represent to be out in market saying, these are great guys. I like working with them. They have always done right by me. That is the way I approach things. And for me, again, it's important to understand, you know, that the air quotes, the problem that the client is trying to solve and come up with solutions that help them solve those problems. And, and I also also like to take the approach, even with some of my more junior sales folks, right? Like you also have to think about your stakeholder, like that young 20 something year old trader that is a year and a half out of college, they want to get promoted. Like how do you help them look good? How do you make their job easier? Like little things like that, I think also add to the relationship and how they think about you and their willingness to buy from you. And is that institutional knowledge that's accumulated? In other words, it's experiential. Or are you asking your team and the marketing team perhaps to support and create this idea of an understanding of customers who maybe buyer personas? Or is this, again, more something you're asking your team to have that fundamental understanding or build that understanding as they go? It's a combination of both. I think it's hard learnings that I've put in that I then try to mentor my team against. At the end of the day, though, I'm also a salesperson. So a very important thing that I also instill in my team is always sell to a yes or a no, never maybe, right? Like maybe you're building the rapport, I'm making it up, but you know, maybe you're going in and you're calling on, you know, PNG, everybody's calling on PNG. You're like, but every meeting, even in building rapport, you have to close that meeting with a sale. And that sale could be Yes, please come back for a second meeting. Let's get that scheduled. Great. We've now just had a successful meeting. We've made our first sale. And that first sale was securing meeting number two, right? And then we've secured meeting number two. Objective is, you know, we want to secure meeting number three with maybe a proof of concept, right? So what are we getting to? How do we continue to build toward a longer term commercial relationship? And so what is the framework we want to put in place going into meeting number two or very acceptable? No, thank you very much for your time. We don't want to work with you because for me, especially having worked at IOTA as a small startup, we have limited resources. So I don't want my team spinning their wheels on P and G are really excited, but it's nine months later and they're still excited, but we haven't seen dollar one or we haven't gotten out of the starting gates. And so, I do try to instill in my team both customer-centric, but always through the lens of you have to get buying signal. And if you don't get that buying signal, you have to sort of keep politely pushing for it. 
It's interesting, you know, and Howard, people can't see us. First of all, Howard and I are incredibly good looking, just so folks know. The second thing is Howard and I are of a certain age, right? We will probably both remember this movie, but Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross comes to mind for me, which is kind of this touchstone movie for anybody that's in sales and marketing, but especially sales. And you mentioned something there that I hadn't even occurred to me, which is always be closing, right? That was the mantra in the movie, always be closing. But in this case, what you're saying is you're always closing. You're always going to be closing towards that next step, even though the next step is effectively walking away from a deal or hearing that the deal is not going to happen for you. And that's a great tactic in terms of thinking about how do I take a small workforce, Salesforce in this case, and make them effective. Quite often, it's bleeding out some of that noise. So what is this an idea for us in terms of, is there a label we can put on this approach? Or are we just going to call it Glenn Gray, Glenn Ross today, Howard? Or is there a label we can put in terms of this approach? Is that a customer-centric selling approach? How would you term this? I think of it as a customer-centric selling approach. You know, not to oversimplify my business, but at the end of the day, we're essentially helping our customers build intelligent personas that they can use for targeting within the programmatic ecosystem, right? So Ford is launching a new electric car and they want to reach male and female car buyers. They might want to reach people that they know have owned a car for four years. They have bought a Toyota Prius in the past or a Tesla in the past, right? Like we sit on all of that data, lots of data signal that indicates that. And so we're simply helping that you know, Ford programmatic team build that persona and then leverage that in a demand side platform. It is fairly transactional and, and a bit less considered than I'm going to sell you a CDP or a data management platform or Amazon Web Services. But I think being that my business is so transactional, coming back to your, your question, it is therefore of the utmost importance to build that trust and have a client-centric view of the customer because you need them to keep coming back. If they don't keep coming back, it becomes harder and harder to hit your target when they can run a campaign and then move on to the next sort of the Oracle data cloud or the low to me or one of our competitors. And so therefore, I have a great team underneath me that that are you know very client centric and I think the feedback that I consistently get is we buy from you because your level of service is better than your competitors. You just, you out-service them every time. And and I think that's always great to hear. You know, that's interesting. And you're either very fortunate or unfortunate in the sense that you have to drink, at least you have to appear to drink your own champagne, as we say. At one point, it was eat your own dog food. I like the champagne version better. But, you know, your business model is helping advertisers have a profound understanding of the people they're selling to and creating a digital profile they can use. If you aren't following that same, in other words, if you don't have that established understanding of who you're selling to in many ways, how can they trust you, right? How can they trust you to sell them this idea if you can't understand them? So how do you get your team to be in a place where they have that understanding, where they ultimately have that deep understanding for those profiles? Are you using your own systems to do so? Or again, is that more experiential over time? Yes, I think it's a combination of things. So one, I, I really encourage people to do desktop research before going into meetings, right? Your e-marketer, you're going into call on the Ford team or Unilever or Procter & Gamble or REI or whomever it is, right? 
how much are they spending on advertising? What percentage of that is digital? A little bit of eating my past on dog food, right? I used to work at Oracle Data Cloud. We acquired Moat. Moat has a very good ad discovery tool. You can go in there. It's free. You look up like what digital display advertising are they running, right? Do a little bit of research. That allows you to then at least go into some meetings and say, I saw you run ran this type of creative. Here are some sample audiences that we would recommend. So I think for me, it's really preparation for sales meetings and doing your research and making sure that you know who you're calling on. I think that's most important. And yes, for us, to back to your original question, meeting around dog food, when we are trying to reach a programmatic trader or a specifically somebody that sits within a social team and we are running our own you know, display advertising or LinkedIn campaigns or, or Facebook campaigns, we are using our own data to drive effectiveness in the campaigns that we're running as well. And I don't know if we're creating a term here, but I'm going to pick it up from what we've been talking about. So if I've got a copyright violation, I apologize to the attorneys. But really, what this strikes me as is customer-centered selling that you're putting out there. And it's really kind of critical to your success and your team's success. Are there parts that are difficult to get to? Are there things that you would recommend and say to other CROs, guys, really think about this before jumping in and having a customer-centered revenue or selling process? I think it depends on the type of product that you're selling. You know, I, I think if I go further back in my career to when I was working at Blue Kai and we were selling data management platforms, which was a fairly heavy lift from an install perspective and fairly consultative. While it was important to be client-centric, I don't think we needed to be involved as many stakeholders as I potentially do when meeting with broader programmatic and media teams, right? It was very much focused on IT and CMO, right? And outside of that, it was IT and CMO could drive adoption within their organization. And so that was their only concern, solving problems for those two teams. And everybody else could get on board once they drove adoption in in the broader organization. So in those instances, I think I was probably less organizationally client-centric and focused on a very specific subset of stakeholders. Are there ways that you typically feel like you're better supported from marketing or other organizations when you have a customer or client-centered selling approach? I mean, I'm very fortunate that we have a good marketing team that at this stage knows how to get ahead of a lot of that. And so an easy example of that is, right, given the business that we're in, there are always tentpole events throughout the year that are are important, right? You have Christmas, Mother's Day, Cyber Monday, Black Friday, back to school. They're already planning that out for this year, right? So there are certain things that I just don't have to worry about because kind of in the playbooks that we've defined over the course of years and working together, we know that we immediately want to be out in market months ahead of those events with our buyers, educating them on interesting things that we're doing this year. And so they're fantastic in helping us support that as one example. And have you, again, back to this idea of, and it feels like a bit of an oxymoron, right? Of course, we're customer center when it comes to selling. But what you're really saying is you have to have a profound understanding of need before you approach those clients. Profound, right? Almost grok level if we could. 
Have you guys picked up and put down anything like account-based marketing or account-based selling strategy to support this approach? For sure. So in way of introduction, which I didn't do, I, I'm the CRO of IOTA, which actually means I run three different commercial teams. So I run a commercial team that is responsible for selling and the enablement of data really out to ad agencies and brands. So how can they effectively use data to reach new potential customers? I then have a business development slash commercial team that focuses on our technology partners. So our data gets pushed out to Google, to the trade desk, to Mobi, so DSPs and DMPs, Adobe, Lodemy, Oracle, etc. Last year, we spent a good amount of time on that side of the house integrating into Amazon, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. And so we needed a sector of the market that we had not sold to were social teams. And so we put together a lot of account-based strategies to start seeding the market with our new social capabilities and the new channels that we've launched so that it made my sales team's job easier when they went into these teams and didn't have to sort of start the conversation from, hey, did you know that we're now integrated with XYZ? And it could be more around the capabilities within those platforms, you know, how buying from us is a bit different in those platforms than say, you know, a standard DSP. And so, so yes, we use account-based marketing often when we're bringing new products to market and want to start seeding education and understanding of those products before we actually go out and start selling. There's some irony here as well in that, you know, within a small organization, this, as the CRO, you've worked really hard to create a high-performing sales organization, a customer-centered selling organization with multiple components. And if you're successful, there's an exit. And I know that recently you went through an exit. And I'm really curious to see how that affected everything we just talked about today. But my sense is it's a different topic. And I think what I'd love to do is to say, let's talk tomorrow and let's discuss what that model looks like once you've gone through acquisition. Will you rejoin me, Howard? Yes, that's great. I would love to. Okay, let's do that. Okay, this wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator Podcast. Thanks to Howard Lux, Chief Revenue Officer at IOTA for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Howard and I are going to discuss post-acquisition revenue generation models. If you can't wait until our next episode and would like to learn more about Howard, you can find a link for his LinkedIn profile in our show notes or visit his company website at IOTA, that's E-Y-E-O-T-A.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to RevGenPod.com where you have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generated Podcast, or you can even share your revenue generation questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at RevGenPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Market Advocate. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed in the next business day. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself.